What's up, y'all? It's your girl, KB, and welcome to the Heart Combos Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, the one and only Taylor Gordon, also known as the Pocket Queen. Ladies and gentlemen, please make some noise for Taylor. What's up, Taylor? Woo! I did my little pause. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? I'm so glad to be here on the podcast. Thank you for having me as a guest. Listen, I'm so excited. Um, it's funny because one of my friends is like, do you know her? And I'm like, I don't actually. Uh, so the fact that she said yes to being on the podcast made me so happy. It's like social media can make you feel like you're really connected to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like brave enough to just be like, listen, do you want to have this conversation? She was like, yes. Yeah. So I'm happy that you're here too. Thank you for saying yes. Um yeah, so what I want to do, just to, before we jump into all of this, is let the people know who you are. So for those who don't know you, I mean, I could say she's a music producer, she's a professional drummer, but we're going to dive into a little bit of your story. So yes, first question, where are you from? Uh, originally, I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, hey, baby, my, let's my, go. <laughs> my family moved to Dallas, Texas when I was 14. In 2004, so it was like right before Hurricane Katrina happened. Um, it was about mm. a year before that happened. And um, after going to high school in Texas, I moved to Boston to go to college at Berkeley College of Music. Yes, Berkeley, come yeah. on! Yeah, yeah. I graduated in 2011 and uh, moved back home for like a year or so, and now I reside in LA. Good old well, all right. California. There it is. Okay, so so you went to Berkeley, I assume, for drums, yes? Well, my initial intention of going to Berkeley was to learn about music production because um, I always saw like drums as something I would like to do, but I didn't know it was something that I was really going to do in my life. You know, really? I thought... I thought it was like, you know, I play at church. That's what I grew up doing. I grew up playing at church. And so I always saw it as something I naturally was good at. And I just wanted to expand upon what I was naturally interested in and like dive into like, oh, well, I can do this, but I like this. So maybe I'm a music producer. So (laughs) I, I went to Berkeley in pursuit of learning more about technology and music production because technology has always been my weak point. Like I always know a lot about music, but all these little gadgets and stuff don't, yeah. So that's what happened too. All right, so you go, you graduate. Um, How does it work graduating from Berkeley? Like, do you have a job lined up or like, how does that work? Nope, you don't. it's often a very big rude awakening for everybody who does graduate because you're <laughs> you're sucked into this portal of the school and you do all this stuff with the professors and you might be like a big shot on campus like oh yeah I just played like the auditorium last night feel me son right, right, it was right. sold out <laughs> and then you leave the school and you just like oh so that's like that's over uh yeah. And you you just like, all right, so I have a degree in music. I don't know what that does, you know, so. <laughs> right. What am I'm I like, going to do? Are you like a teacher or are you <laughs> supposed to be like a, okay, yeah, that's, I mean, sure. You know, somebody goes to school for engineering, you're like, okay, I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get hired by a company as an engineer, right? So you graduate mm-hmm. with a degree in music. I'm wondering, like, where does, yep. that, where does that take you? So it took you back home for a year. It took me back home for a year, and it, it was interesting because um, I was I was in that shock a little bit of like, okay, what do I do now, you know? Right, right. But um, I decided to, for a little bit, for like a summer, to go back to Boston because it was some of my comfort zone. And mm-hmm. I had already had like a nice little portal of friends, maybe even job opportunities. I had found like a little wedding gig that I was doing every week weekend. And all the weeks, I didn't have to work because the the weekends were paying so well. Yeah. But I got this, like, phone call from my mom randomly, and she was like, Taylor, why did you go to college? And I was like, well, I went to college to learn music production. And she's like, are you doing that right now? And I'm like, no. Mm. You know? I found myself in this place of complacency and comfort, and my mom gave me this, like, awakening of, like, this is like what you wanted to do. So like go for what you want to do, even though it's not 
necessarily the easiest path for you to be on right now, you might as well take that leap of faith. So I decided to pack my things, go back home, uh, stay for another six months, and not even wait for a certain amount of money to be saved up to move to LA. I just decided to book my plane ticket. I was just like, I booked a plane ticket. Whatever, how much, however much money I have on this day is how much money I have, and I'm going. Wow. Okay, so first of all, shout out to moms for the heart combo. Okay, yeah. <laughs> mom was like, like, listen, we did, honey, we need to have a combo. It was probably that uh, you just went and spent all of this money mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to be at this school. Uh, no, but but I think that that's that's really that's really cool that your mom was like, let let's let's regroup here. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. maybe she saw that from afar, like you settling into, you know what I'm saying, like what you were call what you would call complacency. So that she's she's a real MVP for that. Um mm-hmm. for just having that conversation because that triggered it seemed like the you know, what would happen next. So yeah. that's really cool. Now you going to LA without a certain amount of money stacked up, that's a huge, huge uh step. So I'm eager to hear what happened when you got there. So I went to LA. I never really had any I guess certain ways that I was going or different things lined up. I had like a bunch of little connections that I made here and there while at school. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I moved there for like um, a couple of months or so. I was just like trying my best to go to studios and have people listen to my music, leave my resume. I was just in boss mode. I didn't even care. I was just like, I'm just rolling up with my resume, do to do. I'm going to leave this at the front, you know? And I did that with all the studios that I knew of, like Capital, Atlantic, et cetera. And I just was, I guess, gutsy enough to go in there and be like, so who is the president here? Or who is this? And they, they gave me the contact info. Like, they, <laughs> that's what happened. Like, they gave me the contact info. I emailed the guy, and I emailed him several times. I, I sent him, like, over the span of, like, six months, like, several emails. And I think in each of them, he heard my progress to the point, mm-hmm. and by, like, the fourth email, he responded, you know. and he's, Wow. And yeah, who is he? Who are we talking about? We're talking about, we're talking uh, like about the president of a, of a label? Yeah, the president of um, APG, which is um, a sector of Atlantic Records. Okay. Um, it is owned by Mike Karen, and the guy who I'm talking about is Ben Madahi, who is now owns his own publishing company as well. Wow! But um, at the time, he responded to me, which I was excited about. He had a whole bunch of pointers, and so I uh, just did everything he was talking about and sent him another email with the other stuff I was working on that week because so I would try and work on a certain amount of beats every week, mm-hmm. and. Um, I found myself actually around the time where he offered me a deal. I was getting kind of like fatigued. I was tired. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I've been trying at this for like, I don't know, five months now. And so I actually sent him some old beats. I sent him like some stuff that I had never shown anybody. It was like my own psyche of things sure, that sure, I was sure. just working with. And I decided to just send that. And I was just like, whatever. I just remember sending that email and being like, whatever. And like watching something on TV. And then um, I get this email that asks me to come to the office and um, for us to have a face-to-face meeting. And I think, I think after that meeting, followed another meeting in which he offered a publishing deal. And that was my goal the whole time was to get a publishing deal. And I was like, boom, there we go. So this is not even drums. This is production. Yeah, that's what originally brought me here. Like, Oh, my it's, gosh. It's such a... <laughs> This is such a long story, KB. Like, I'm just... <laughs> like, um... I, um so, I, I signed a publishing deal. I was signed for a number of years. And I and within this time, I found myself progressing very fast in this company. I was already in the studio with very big names. Wow. And I still have records of, like, Chris Brown and um, Akon and... All the people who were like swirling around the time, Jeremiah, like all these people who are like cutting to my records. I'm in the studio with them and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> yes. I was like, this is happening. Wow. This is happening. Yeah. I was like, I actually dreamed of this and this is, this is how it's going. But um, one day that all shifted. You see? I. Hot <laughs> <laughs> twist. Okay. Yeah, like, um, so I went to. <laughs> you see, I was talking about, like, I don't like technology. Right. Okay. 
I went to Best Buy to back up all my stuff, right? That was like my intention upon going to Best Buy was to buy a couple of hard drives so that I could take my current hard drive and back it up on these new hard drives. Absolutely. In a conversation with a friend, I was talking to someone while I was doing this act of trying to back up my hard Shut drive. Up. Don't tell me that. What, what, what? <laughs> Don't, was, you lo- you lo- did it all get erased? I, I, what, what I erased everything. I erased what? Every everything was gone, and I was I was just like in total shock, and I was just like, girl. I was on the phone. I was like, girl, oh my god, oh my god. I I wrote over the wrong hard drive. I'm freaking out. Oh. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. <laughs> like I'm freaking out. Actually, I didn't even cry or nothing. I was actually like hysterically laughing because it was just like <laughs> I could not believe in the process of trying to save my stuff. You erased everything. <laughs> And so it was just like crazy to me that I went to the studio that night and it was for another Chris Brown session because he was like really interested in like one of these tracks that I had made. Mm-hmm. And um, one of his producers were like, oh yeah, so we heard this beat, blah, blah, blah. He wants to get on it immediately. Can you send it to us? And I was just like... He was like, I need them stems. <laughs> I was like, actually... I can't. I can't. I can't oh, send this to you. Oh, That's nuts. <laughs> Wait so, a minute. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> you you erased, you erased your entire, I mean. Yeah, everything. Like Everything. The sounds that I made, the sessions. Wow, wow. So it was almost like all of that work had just completely vanished. <laughs> just went, oh, my goodness. That's nuts. Okay, so do we have a breakdown? Let's talk about it. What, like, I mean, practically speaking, did you get fired? Did they have to let you go? Like, what What happened? I fired, I fired myself, I feel like. Like, I definitely went into this, like, spiral of just depression after that. It was just like, Man. it was just like, um, well, you know, I was trying for this sort of life, and it just seems like I have completely erased it, so... Sure. I just decided to, I don't know, um, not do it anymore. <laughs> like I, was, I just stopped. I just completely stopped. I was just like, um, and I was also kind of tired of the process as well, because as much as I was like working with these people, I find I found the political aspect of it, you know, of like they first got to cut the record. Like once they like the song, they got to cut the record. Then it's got to make the album. Then it's got to do well. Then you got to make sure your credits are right. Then you got to get the right percentage. Like, it's all this stuff that is so far removed from the real intention of why I wanted to be a music producer. It was just like, wow, so all of this red tape is really turning me off. And I found myself making um, music that I wasn't even necessarily into, but I was just doing it because I thought, like, oh, this will give me a check. Oh, they want this on their record. They want something that sounds like 2010 uh, Busta Rhymes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And um, it felt really um, unauthentic to me, you know? Yeah. I, I felt like I wasn't really doing um, things that were true to myself. So I had moved to, this, to California to do something that I found myself being somewhat disappointed in. Wow. And so yeah. it it put me in this sort of depression of like, um, you know, um, I guess I was kind of fighting my way through it a little bit because I was still producing people like my friends, but even my friends that I was producing, they weren't releasing the music I was producing. So it was just like, I was this voice that was never going to be heard really. You know, I have so many like songs and stuff that no one has ever heard. So I let that get me down. Um, I just decided to act out. I got into like a really toxic relationship because I was like, oh, you know, I was so focused for so long. I'm going to go and date this fine ass dude right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that's what I want to do right now. Yeah. And I know that it's probably not going to go nowhere, but I don't care, you know, and that's how I was treating my life. Um, Around 2017, this went on for about two years. Like I would say that whole thing happened in like 2015. Mm-hmm. 2017 I decided to finally wake up and be like okay I'm gonna clean my life up I'm gonna stop doing okay. that and I think with that awakening that I had which you know I go home for Christmas every year 
I just had to talk to myself and be like, okay, you got to wake up. You know, this happened to you. It's unfortunate, but you got to snap out of it. Like, wake up. And I think with that, it attracted some sort of energy into my life that um, allowed me to somewhat start on a new foot. And um, one thing that had always seemed to be supporting me, even through my production career that wasn't taking off necessarily how I wanted to, was the drums. And so... Mm. Um, a friend from college randomly called me and asked me if I wanted to go on tour with this um, then 17-year-old pop star named Dea. And that was like my first time ever touring. And I was like, you know what? Let's go for it. Like I, I tried the production right. thing. That didn't work out. <laughs> right, right. And so I did that. I thought it was really fun. Um, but after I, I felt this somewhat feeling that I did not like of having to worry about what was going to be my next thing. Like, okay, I did this tour and um, now I'm looking for another way to support myself. So I did another audition for another artist. And I remember after that, immediately feeling like I didn't get the audition. You know, I felt like I knew okay. even before it was over, I was like, I didn't get that because okay. um, every all the other drummers there were kind of like doing very flashy things. I'm not like a flashy drummer. I've never been that. No, nah, you're the pocket queen. You keep, yeah. it, you, you keep it in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've never been that. And so I find fi- I myself um, being like the odd one in the room. And so I felt like from that, I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't get that gig. So I was frustrated. And I went to my practice room, which is where I record my videos every week. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, I just decided to record myself playing to a song that I never bothered to learn how to actually play. And then after posting that online, um, at first I wasn't even going to post it because I was like, oh man, technology, I hate technology, like all this editing and stuff. Um, I finally posted online and the thing went everywhere. And that's literally ever since then how my life has operated. Like I've been kind of figuring out what is this brand I've created by accident. I mean, not really accident, but you know, yeah, that has taken off. You know, and (laughs) now the work comes to me. I'm I'm summing it up because I realize I've been talking for such a long time. I'm trying (laughs) to like leave a gap. (laughs) Listen, no, it's all good. Do not please don't be self conscious in that way. No, you're good. I love it. Um, I think. There's so many things about your story that I think people can relate to. So again, for you guys who are who have listened thus far, like what if you were to type in the Pocket Queen right now, you would just see an overwhelming amount of videos of this incredibly talented woman who who plays to just songs that you just love. And she again has a very clean style of playing. She's not super super flashy, but she be killing. So don't don't if you're musical, don't interpret that as like, oh, she's simple. <laughs> Because she's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. um, it's really cool to hear like, okay, I had this plan to do music. I went to school for music and I graduated without a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of people listening. Mm-hmm. So that to me is like the first thing. Like a lot of people are like, hey, you have a plan then you and you're going through with the plan and you feel like these highs and lows in the plan. But when you get to the end, you're like, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? And I feel like a lot of people find themselves in that space in mm-hmm. this thing called life so then you have kind of a, a turning point right with your mom and mm-hmm. it's like okay i'm gonna do it but even that requires a huge amount of risk huge amount of faith <laughs> to move to la of all places i mean there are market cities you know you got new york and in dallas and in chicago and atlanta and stuff but la is like a beast of a beast mm-hmm. and so and there's like a million other people trying to do what you're doing yeah so you get there um, and just to, to you were saying earlier, like having the courage to just literally walk into a building and be like, who runs this joint? I need to talk to them. <laughs> that mm-hmm. to me is huge. And so you put it out there, you put yourself out there and then you were consistent. I think that the amount of consistency <clears throat> that I'm trying to even with heart combos, I tell people all the time, you don't just have one heart conversation and then find yourself in the habit of having hard conversations. Like you have to continue to do them often and you have to fail often as well in yep. order to get better at them. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you got no's or you got no responses and you just continued to 
to be persistent is how success comes in anything, I think. And so you do that, you get your big break, so to speak. You're in the studio working with all of these names. Mm -hmm. And then just one day it all falls apart. That is life to me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, now... It's very tragic to hear. Like as you were setting it up, I was like, "Please God, don't tell me that the whole the whole hard drive is gone." But the <laughs> fact that, the fact that that it the bottom just fell out, like that happens in life. It happens when we when we lose people in life. I think it happens when we find ourselves, you know, with a job and then without a job, with you know, in a relationship and the relationship just ends or somebody cheats or whatever it might be. So there are so many themes about your story that I think are so indicative to what, like how life happens. What I'm most impressed, though, with your story is that your tenacity, even in that two-year span when you were like, forget it, I'm just going to do what I want, You at, at no point in time did you settle and let that be the rest of your life. You were still like, I cannot stay in this place. And I think some of that had to do with the fact that you had tasted... Um, <clears throat> maybe what life was outside of that space. Like, if that's all you ever knew, it might be harder to shake you out of that. But the fact mm-hmm. that you're like, no, I don't have to be here. Like, mm-hmm. there is something else for me. I just don't know what it is. So I, I think that that, that speaks volumes. Because um, when people don't know what health, like, feels like or looks like, they do find themselves stuck in a rut. But as soon as you, like, see the possibility of it, you're like, okay, I can get there. And that sometimes is enough to just make the, the decision to do better, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Anyway, so here you are. You're out of the relationship. Now, now you're like, okay, I'm going to go you know, on this tour. I'm going to do these auditions. And it's always the thing that we think nothing of that I feel like in my own life I can relate to this is the thing that becomes the thing. So mm-hmm. you went on the audition. The audition might not have gone well, but here you are. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to post this video, whatever. And then, boom, virality. Yeah. <laughs> like spread. Yeah. And now, to your point, not an accidental brand as much as it's like this wasn't in your plan and I think that's one how God works (laughs) at times but then also like it just I mean life works that way yeah so it's not even more it's not even more so that it wasn't in my plan it just wasn't how I planned it like I thought that I was going to do way more I had I thought I had to do way more than just set up a iPhone camera on my laptop or prop it up because I don't have a stand and just Mm -hmm. record raw Mm -hmm. audio on the drums to go viral. I thought I had to, like, you know, do the works. I had to have Mm -hmm. all of these supplies. And I made this, like, these things in my mind, these limitations somewhat in my mind of, like, what people would would grab onto. And so Mm -hmm. I remember that's the power. I do believe in the power of the mind. I'm a firm believer in God, but I also believe in um, making your mind manifest things. And I think somewhat to a certain degree, I manifested the reality that I'm living in because when I did make that decision, when I was like, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to approach this in a different way. I did make the intention. Like I did somewhat research online how to go viral. Like I remember looking that up on YouTube and like taking notes. I have like a book, like a little note thing that I was just like taking different notes of what um, things um, are connect people or what people look for when they watch things, like how they want to feel or sure. they want to feel something. Sure. And I remember taking these notes and like not doing much with them, but I just like had a mentality of thinking like, okay, I know what my material needs to feel like in order for it to reach people, you know? Sure. But yeah. it was very unexpected that that certain thing was an iPhone video. You know, I yeah. thought like I had done some photo shoots and all of this and all of that and I was getting ready to do my big video and it was it was this little video that everyone was like whoa <laughs> yeah I get it listen we all we all out here with plans and we like listen I got this I got this focus I got this agenda and then and I think that there's there is power in that like having a focus in a direction that you want to go and putting your mind to it and and going and then it's but it's always there's always this element of like surprise mm-hmm. we're just like you just never know like you're just out here being faithful at whatever you're doing and then the, the least the, the thing that you least expect is the thing that's like oh yeah. that's what they wanted oh y'all like that okay <laughs> cool yeah um, yeah and and there's also always especially like when you find that thing there's always hints of where you should go to you know because i even found myself even recently um with 
all of these new followers and this whole thing that's taken off all these inquiries about like social media stuff. I'm like, where do I want to take this? I have the established platform now. What do I want to do with it? Or what should I do with it? Like, what what does God want me to do with this? And um, that was another element of surprise that happened is that I went to this convention called the NAM show um, that happens in Anaheim, California. It's explain to people what it is who don't know. It's like pretty much, whoa. Um, It's like a, yeah, it's a big convention for musicians, like all of the biggest companies that make and manufacture instruments and different um, programs for computers. They're there. And so it's just like a big music fest for music nerds to walk around Mm -hmm. and just be absorbed in music all day. And so I went there. I sat down in a couple of booths and I played with different things that were coming out and different prototypes. And um, funny enough that this one video that this fan took of me playing on this like somewhat drum machine, I decided to post that because usually my my drum videos are just me playing normal drums, but I was playing this drum machine where I was somewhat remixing songs. on the drums and that's what was really fascinating about it and I think that was has been my most viral video this year because Timbaland who is like my hero Timbaland um the music producer um he reposted it on his page and was like oh future genius blah 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 and I you know I'm Ah! geek I'm like yo As you should be. Listen, my number is 757 because I'm from Tidewater, Virginia. So you're talking about Timbaland, you know what I'm saying? Like Pharrell, Clips, Magoo, Genuine Lee. Like that whole, like that was, I was absorbed in all of that. So Timbaland is my, is absolutely my favorite producer. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Swiss Beats and all this, you know, whatever. But that's just that East Coast VA in me. But, yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah, so that was overall that video being my now, I think, I think it's my one of my most successful videos. That was such a big sign to me of like, okay, Taylor, you can't let this production dream that you had of making music for um, people and what you were doing before go either. Even though you found something that has worked you had that experience for a reason. It's still all leading to something. And I'm just like, well, what? You know, and I think it's ultimately, now that I've produced other people, I've I've never really given myself a shot, you know? Wow. So mm-hmm. I am now in the journey of creating my own album and self-producing my own album. And just putting it out there and seeing what happens. Almost like the same thing I did with everything else of just like, <laughs> I did this. What y'all think? I don't know. I'm like, you know. That's what's, listen, that's what's up. This that is so it's so powerful. Um it's 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 so inspiring, it's so encouraging. Um again, just that willingness to like keep trying. All right, let's do this. Okay. This didn't happen, but this did happen. Like let's let's keep trying. Let's do mm-hmm. this. And again, I think that's I mean, it's really all that we can do because we have no control. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have no control. We think we have control, but we don't. We really don't. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, not over everything, you know? And so, yeah, I I mean, I I love it. There's so many aspects of your story that I love. And and just even to hear um, the highs and the lows, thank you for sharing both sides. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really, really good. Now, I know that you have played, I mean, you've produced for the likes of, Chris Brown and um, and done some work with some really cool artists. I know also that you've been on tour with several. Uh, I love Yuna's music, and I know that you were touring. I have been touring with her recently. She's um, awesome. What is? Give me like your top three people that you've played drums for. Oh yeah, Yuna would definitely be up there. Like she is such a more than anything. Like she's such a down to earth human being, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You would never know, like, that she has accomplished what she's accomplished because of, like, how sweet she is. She bought everybody in the crew flowers. Like, she just did that on her own time at the end of the tour and just, like, passed them out. Like, a whole bouquet of flowers. I was just like, oh, come on now. Like, you making us all... <laughs> like, none of us are that sensitive, you know? Like, you... you yeah, just yeah. Are, but um, she's amazing, uh, has an amazing spirit. I love her music. So it just seemed like something I should do, you know, even at the place of like me trying to somewhat 
stop or not like stop venturing out and playing as much because I want to be at a place where I'm more stationary, especially in 2020. I want to be a little bit more. I'm in LA and not like, oh, I'm in Zimbabwe today. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. But I felt like with her, I felt like it was special enough and the crew itself was like dope enough that I was just like, I want to be a part of this. And um, it's already like blossomed into more things as far as doing interviews and us getting in the studio and all of that. So that was a really great connection. I think that's that right now is number one. I feel like I feel like that was a great one. Okay. Um, Okay. I, I did fail to mention that in my depression, this was like 2016, while I was in that depression and my hard drive crashed, all of that, um, I was still um, going to church and after church, I would go to Chick-fil-A. I went to Chick-fil-A and this wasn't on a Sunday because they're closed on Sunday. So it was on a Saturday and we had rehearsal. So I went to Chick-fil-A and I'm sitting outside with my friend's. Um, and then this guy walks up to me and he's like, Hey, you're Taylor Gordon, right? And I was like, yeah. And at this time I wasn't posting videos all heavy, like how I'm doing now. I still had some videos up from when I posted in college and I'm guessing that's Mm -hmm. how he knew who I was. And so he's like, yeah, I know you are like you, because even back then I was calling myself the pocket queen. He was like, you're the pocket queen. I'm, um, I'm Beyonce's musical director. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so you know how like weird that is you know what I'm saying like you're sitting at the table and this dude's just like I'm Beyonce's musical director <laughs> get and out so of I here didn't, I didn't believe him of course I was just like okay like you know I wasn't like rude like being like you lying but I was just like oh, okay cool you know and he was like yeah I would love to get your contact info so we could stay in touch and so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give him my contact info because you just never know, you know? Like, he could sure. be the MD for Beyonce. He could not be. And right. so, <laughs> so It's I, likely that he's not. <laughs> yeah, it, it is more likely. But for some reason, I had the inclination to just give him my info anyway. And I did not hear from him for a full-blown year. That happened in 2015. Wow, okay. And so... Around 2016, I was in my somewhat depression stupor where I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm on the floor like this. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) What am I going to do? You know? And so my phone rings and it's, and it's the guy. It's the guy who I met at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. A year ago. Okay. Yeah. He's. And he didn't even say his name, you know what I'm saying? He, he didn't say, like, hey, this is yada yada, MD for Beyonce. He was just like, hey, you remember me? And I was like, no. Like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like I do not. <laughs> so, he's like, oh, so you didn't say my number, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I didn't. I'm sorry, whatever. But he said that he was the MD for Beyonce. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember talking to you. And he was like, I have a very big opportunity for you. Yeah. And it was and it was February. And so I was like, all right, this guy already told me he's MD for Beyonce. So this is either going to be the Grammys or this is going to be uh, the Super Bowl. And so I happened to Google Beyonce. And then there was like speculation that she might be performing at the Super Bowl this year. And I was like, it's the Super Bowl. You know, so I had already like put it in my head that, that that's what it was about. And um this particular year, she chose to do a drumline thing. This is where she did the whole, um, what was yeah, it? Yeah, Bruno Mars, yeah. Coldplay collab. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, she had just dropped that song, Formation. And um, I remember being in rehearsals and watching her walk in and everything like that and just being like, oh, wow. You know, the first couple of times, it was it was very, like, surreal but then as you see her you just start to see her humanity and how she operates and you're just like oh she's she's just a chick you know what I'm saying like she's just she's like me and that's what's even more inspirational is that this is just a woman who is moving with intention with her career and I think I got to see that firsthand and that more so inspired me that was a very inspiring experience um, because I noticed in that how much all of the things in her show are very intentional. It's not an accident that there's like a Beyonce God complex. It's because 
with like the camera angles that she chooses, she tells her cameraman to film her from a downward standpoint so that they're looking up at her, you know? And so I'm just like, man, so she literally sat there and thought about all that. She thought about like the people looking and how she wanted to be perceived and the hair blowing in the wind. She wants the fans right here. And I'm like, all it takes is some time. All you got to do is really think about this stuff and how you want people to perceive and like how you want everyone to receive your message. And it can be as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And I think the more and more that she does that, the more and more influential she becomes. And so I was just like, man. So I can be really intentional about that. I can be intentional about how I perceive the message that I want to get across. And um, yeah, I think it was just a real strong lesson on intentionality. So that's two. Um, Okay. What is three? What is three? Ooh. I don't know. I feel like I'm. I'm actually feel like I'm like forgetting a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you've you've had a pretty eventful couple of years. Yeah, I was like, I feel like <laughs> I'm forgetting say. a lot of stuff. Like, uh, I mean, it's all good. It's it's no pressure. But I think oh, I think I got one. Oh, do you have one? Okay, yeah. go ahead. Another one was Alfredo Rodriguez. Um, okay, I did a whole, He's a um, jazz pianist. Okay, yeah. And so, you you know, like, I'm a folk soulstress. I listen to the Isley Brothers, yes, and I love yes. soul and R&B. So when I get a call for a jazz gig, I'm just like, like, I don't know. Like, what they, I don't, I don't swing. Like, I'm not no Like, that's not what I, it's not what I do. I was like, they didn't. Cha-cha-cha-cha. Y'all didn't see no videos of me doing that. I don't understand why y'all call me. And so, but. That in itself was a very strong lesson in remaining true to your identity, because the more and more I tried to appease and conform to what I thought was the normal ways of of playing the genre, the more they were like, be yourself. You know, they were like, mm. you know, like we called you because we want to bring something new. You want to, That's you good. know, we want you to bring your flavor to That's the saver. You know, That's so good. I think it was, it was more of an, yeah, it was just more of those things of just like being true to why you got into it in the first place and not being afraid of just being who you are, regardless of the the environment around you not necessarily matching all the time. You know, just still bring your own flair. That's so good. Listen, there's so many freaking (laughs) lessons. There are. I mean, legit, how many people feel the pressure to be who whoever the person, the blank is, like fill in the blank, want them to be? Whether it's through an opportunity, a job, parents, you know, like the people who paid for you to do whatever, you know, we, we feel the pressure to conform all the time and to be affirmed that no 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 you have something unique that we wanted which is why we invited you to be a part mm-hmm. versus we're inviting you to be a part so you can be more like us you know what i mean and yeah I think, but that is that is a common message and narrative you know like in in culture specifically in entertainment you know yeah. like and it's not often celebrated like uniqueness is not often celebrated you yeah know? but it's it's the people who stay true to their own uniqueness and are faithful in that i think that end up then creating and recreating and like becoming those staples in, in music and in entertainment because um, yeah, they stay true themselves. So, so, so I, there's just, there's a whole lot there. I think as we, as we kind of wrap, I mean, I just, I'm like, man, we could talk for like two more hours. I know. That's just, how I was just like, this, this is going to be a long, hard combo. But it's yeah. all good though, because I think, <laughs> I think again, just in your, with your story in general, for all of you guys who are listening, you might think, I don't play drums. I don't actually do music. I'm actually like, you know what I'm saying? Like stay at home mom. <laughs> I got three kids, whatever. Like it, it doesn't matter. I think that as entertaining as this conversation has been, at least for me at this point, um, there's so many lessons I think to be learned. And when you're having an honest conversation about stuff and you're talking about, you're being vulnerable and you're being transparent and you're, you're listening to Taylor's journey in all of the moments where she could have just settled or all the moments where she could have been like, all right, never mind, I'm going back home, I'm going back to Texas. Like, but then she didn't, or the risks that she took. Let that be an encouragement to you um, in your own journey, you know, because all of us, no matter what we're doing specifically, need the same characteristics and qualities that we, we've seen kind of just come out of her story. So I think my, my, my last set of questions, or even just around the last question, is amidst all of this success that you would, you've had, 
these uh, this journey that you have. What has your what have your friend circles look like? Your relationships. Who are the people oh, that have walked man. with you through all of it? Man, man, man. Um, I haven't always had a lot of friends. You know, I Good to know. Good I to know. I grew. I mean, I grew up. Um, what I'm I'm like an only child. I have like four other half sisters, but I was like raised all by myself. So okay. I used to go home and be to myself. That's partially why I feel like I got so good at music is because I would go home and nerd out on the keyboard and like learn stuff on keys and all of that. But I would talk to my parents and I that's literally it. Like I would I would play video games and I've just always been one who was very comfortable with my own company, I think, growing up. And um, I think it became somewhat awkward for me when I finally started to branch out and try and get friends. It's still awkward now, you know, like it's like one of those things like it's like, um, you know, like there's there's been a whole bunch of times where I'm like, oh, this person's like really cool. But how do I like start that? Do I go like, hey, we should go get drinks? <laughs> like it's like, should it be like that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or should it just be a little more organic? I don't know, but... You're not alone. You're not alone. That's the number one question I get. I'm serious in my DM. Well, it's probably the number two question. Number one question is, uh, can I cut this person off? That's the number one question. But the, other, the other question usually is, um, I just don't know where to start. Like, how do you make friends as an adult? And I'm like, you just... You just do it. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is for you. And so maybe for you, it's, hey, do you want to get drinks? Uh, for another person, it's, hi. <laughs> you know, like, let's just let's just start there. Um, yeah. I so, mean, yeah, I, you're I, not alone. As someone related to, like, my best friend right now, I met her in college. Um, she was actually my best friend's at the time's girlfriend, and okay. they broke up. And for some okay. reason or another... The guy who was my best friend stopped being my friend, and then his ex girlfriend turned into my best friend. So it just okay. it just so happened to to work like that, and we're okay. we're still friends to this day. Um, yeah, and that's who I just kick it with, you know. And there, of course, have been ups and downs in our relationship as far as like you know me being in a certain place in my life and she being in a certain place in her life and. We talk about our relationship issues and all of that and not always agreeing. And um, besides that, I don't know if I have that many other girlfriends. Like most of my friends have been guys, which has also been problematic when it comes to <laughs> my <laughs> to my relationships with men. And, listen, you know, y'all already know if you listen to last week's episode where I stand on the issue. And, yeah. <laughs> and she's already confirming it's been a little challenging. And I'm just suggesting yeah, that, that we do better. I've become, <laughs> I've become somewhat accustomed to the challenges that come with it. You know, I've just been like, okay, this going obviously, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, like I get it. <laughs> you know but, but it's not you know naturally I guess I do just I don't know I enjoy talking to my friends I'm not really necessarily focused on the fact that they're guys you know and I I understand I don't yeah. even I, you know I don't really it's like they've always been my friends never been more than that it's never I evolved know. or nothing it. but it just <laughs> seems to always cause a problem I don't know but uh, it's, it, <laughs> listen listen you want to know why it's because one you're cute uh, I think if you, if you wasn't cute, maybe it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, but then, too, I think scientifically, no, I, I, I had a, a friend um, tell me recently that he read this study like years and years ago. He was like, I'm sure the, the numbers are different now. But he was like, after, you know, a guy and a girl spend like over 300 hours together or something like that, uh, intentional hours together, naturally, like attraction will evolve or something like that. I have absolutely no no clue how valid or that statement is but to you the know point, what the point of the statement is like after you have invested so much of your heart and time into some anything like anything there's going to be a level of value that is established for that thing right and when it comes to people like it's one thing for you like oh man like i've had this car i've been working on this car from scratch since whatever and you love your car right like you're like i cheer this is this is my baby right Mm -hmm. and i think it's the same thing that happens in our relationships not to even go deep but just like listen i care for you i enjoy you like 
we've we've shared, you know what I'm saying, like aspects of who we are with one another. We've laughed together, cried together, whatever. You mean to tell me at no point in time, like there's not gonna be any you know what I mean? Like, it's natural. I, I, it's not it, it's very natural. So that's what I think whenever I talk to people about this I this this notion of men and women being friends, I, because it is so natural. I'm not discouraging that it happens. I'm just encouraging that it happens in the context of um, what I call familial connection. Because I think in family, in the space of family, you you feel like it's okay when you don't really know how to distinguish. Like, like I don't know where to put you, and now I'm feeling these things and all this kind of stuff. Then it's like, okay, this is about to get messy. And unfortunately, as a result of that, people fall apart I feel like they can't keep building and then you lose the connection and in my heart I want as many connections to be maintained as possible so yeah. for me I'm I'm wanting that I'm not I'm not I'm never never tried to discourage people from having those connections I want you to have those connections just in a way that is is healthy and where both people feel safe to be vulnerable and one of the ways that I have found that that is helpful for people is when they take that lens off like Taylor is Taylor's not, like, just, like, she's my sister. Like, I love her with the love that I would love a sister with. You know what I'm saying? Not a romantic, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, like, connection Mm -hmm. or whatever. But who knows? Who knows what's, I mean, at the end of the day, people just need to be talking about it is what I I say. So, I mean, you know, I think I've always done well with the ebbs and flows of going in and out of relationships. You know, like, even... When it comes to what you're talking about, of like me having a lot of guy friends, right? Because I'm in a relationship and in a serious relationship, naturally I'm spending more time with my boyfriend, which causes me to have less time for my other male friends. I think it just naturally goes into a flow. Like I don't know if how consistent relationships are natural, like naturally meant to be, and how much we try to force them to be. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're supposed to go in and out of these waves of connection with people, and Absolutely. they help you on your journey. And um, you know, I still haven't figured out. You know, I am a very firm believer in marriage. I want to get married, but it's just like you know, it is a constant choosing. You know, and that's why I don't even worry about like as far as like even if my boyfriend had a lot of me female friends, it's a constant choosing every day. It's not to say that because he's with me that he no longer finds anyone else in the world attractive or that there's no other sort of thing that may get his attention. But it is an intention of constant choosing that we have with each other every day that I know is firm. And that's why regardless, like even if I were to make him like get rid of all his female friends, does that mean he's not going to cheat on me? No, no. no. It's it's a a false, (laughs) it's like a false sense of control that we try to have over these sort of issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, that in and of itself is a whole nother conversation. I know. I need to be back on this show. Like we obviously have more to talk about. Like we do. do. Because listen, that in and of itself, oftentimes people think, if I can manipulate the situation or control the situation or um, to look how I think it should look, that that will then affect the intentions and desires exactly. of the person. And it's like, no, you you cannot. My, my, listen, my co-host always says, she's like, you can't control anybody but yourself. Absolutely. And so the fact that you guys have valued choice uh and and make and even understanding that that is connected to marriage like making the i am going to choose to choose you every day mm-hmm. <laughs> period i have no idea whether we lived in a city where everybody you know what i'm saying like was hot and bothered or we lived in a dungeon you know what i'm saying like right. in the middle of nowhere you know like with no one around like it it's a constant decision to choose and so the fact that you already have that mindset, let me just say eight years into marriage right now, like, you on your way, honey. It's exactly what it is from day one to year eight to year 72. My, my husband, um, his grandparents both just passed away uh, within two month, two and a half months of each other, but they were married for 72 years. And they tell us all the time, it's just choosing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they just chose each other for 72 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's how you get from dating to marriage to eight years to 72 years, you know? So, so yeah, but... Let me just say this. Uh, I really, I really appreciate you sharing. It's, it's so interesting to hear you. You know, you say like I haven't had a ton of deep, you know, connections, but maybe some of that having to do only child being potentially. Are you introverted or extroverted? Um, I feel like a mixture. 
Okay, Amber. Okay. Yeah, like whatever <laughs> it is. Like, I I feel like once you know, like I'm outgoing. I like to be funny and all of that. But mm-hmm. I don't like to be funny with everybody. Just people who I think you know I vibe with. You know, How so, about the, do you re, do you recharge um, with people or without people? Oh, without people. I need oh, okay. that. I need that whole like get away from me. <laughs> you time. are introverted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are introverted. That that is the distinguishing factor. How do you recharge? If you recharge, like for me, I am completely extroverted. When when I think about, I've had a long day, and I'm like work and just stuff is whatever. I'm thinking about who can I call or like be with right now. That because I want to be with people because that in some way like fills me. Whereas for somebody who's bit you know the day has been overwhelming, what fills them is being able to escape from all of that and to find it. You know, in their place of solitude. But see, so. I have a mixture of both. Like, there's some days where I'm like, ooh, I just want to go home and put, pour me a nice little glass of wine and watch something on, stupid on TV. And then there's some days where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had someone to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let me <laughs> let me call somebody. Like, I'm energetic. You know, it's just like a, it's a mixture. I don't know. Like, okay, you might be in the middle. You might be in the middle because at no point do I ever think I want to be alone. <laughs> no, no, no because I'm they're not a lick, lick of introversion uh, in me uh, but that's but see that's even really, with really my cool. introversion yeah with my introversion I feel like I, I dance around my apartment to like songs and sing all loud and I have a party by myself you know what I'm saying so <laughs> but you by yourself no I literally <laughs> just be in here partying by myself like like there's like 25 people here and it's only me like <laughs> All the extroverts are like, but you were still by yourself, though. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is this is the thing. I think um, I think it's really cool that you've had really close connections with your parents, and you've had a few people that have been able to ride with you through this journey. I think your story is incredible, um, and I've really enjoyed having you having you on the podcast. I think that one of the biggest things that I've I've kind of taken away from a lot of what you shared. You continue to just face life like head on. <laughs> you just you have continued to move forward. I'm just going to continue to move forward. But a lot of that moving forward didn't happen without intentional conversations. Whether it was with your mom, with school, you, you know, what I'm saying with yourself about, you know, what I'm saying like transitioning from the period with the, the boyfriend back to you know being focused. Conversations with your friends about opportunities. Conversations with Beyonce's. You know, what I'm saying like you took it. You took a chance on him, even you know, and give trust in like, hey, there might be something here. And then you had to wait a year. You know, like so, just the, the conversations that I think have been so critical in the highs and lows of your of your journey um, continue to, to me just to reaffirm like how important it is to to be having the conversations, to be to be honest and real and transparent about where you are in the different seasons. And so I'm sure there's so much that you didn't get to share. So I would absolutely love to have you on again uh, at some point. But you've given us so much to think about and just to be encouraged with today. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So thank you guys. Remember this one thing. It's never a hard conversation, y'all. It's a heart conversation. I love y'all so much. Peace.